The personal is always political and the political is always personal. You're tuned in to Poppin' Policies with R. Jordan Davis. What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning into this special edition episode. Today in the Situation Room, I have my good friend and sister, Jay Jaslin, coming to us to talk about foreign affairs and international relations. I am so excited for this episode. It's going to be a good one, y'all. So stay tuned and let's get right into the conversation. We got Jay Jaslin in the Situation Room. It's an R. Jordan J. Jaslin type of thing. This is my birthday edition episode. Turn up. (laughs) We're live all Taurus season long. So thank you, Joby, for agreeing to come on uh, the podcast and share your insight and your expertise into this strange field of foreign policy and foreign affairs. Just give us a basic breakdown of foreign affairs and the U.S. relations with other uh, countries and continents around the world. Like, what is our stance on on diplomacy right now as it um, pertains to foreign affairs? Okay. So first off, let me say again, thank you so much for inviting me I've loved foreign policy and international studies for as long as I can remember. Um, And I think that it's something that people don't really get into because a lot of us, we think about what's happening um, that I can see or what's happening where it directly affects me and I see the changes or I see how it affects me, which is more so domestic policy. Um, As Americans, we worry a lot about what's happening in our country um, and what we can see, what we're voting for and all those things. And I think especially with this upcoming election, it's so important to see what uh, our current presidential candidates are really looking for in terms of foreign policy and how they want to shape the country's affairs with other different countries. So that's something that I've been very much interested in definitely looking into. To answer your question, what's going on um, in terms of foreign policy now, uh, the current president, uh, yeah, he definitely has an interesting view um, of how he interacts with other countries, which to every person who has ever done foreign policy or studied international studies, all those things, we definitely look at those moments and cringe. They're always cringe-worthy. Um, and I will say there has not been too many moments in American history where a president uh, has really acted like this with other countries right. and doing diplomacy work. Um, so it's definitely a little bit scary to see. Um, I think it will take years of undoing what he has done in just this short amount of time um, a lot of countries do not forget um, similar to us really but it's more of a I'm never gonna forget what you did what you said how you acted Um, so it's definitely interesting Um, I think a big part of foreign policy right now is definitely COVID-19 and how everything is going on as you know um, or you may know um, we've shut off our borders to international traveling and there are several other countries who have done the same. Uh, so that's, it's, it's, it's a bit difficult um, to go and travel to other places, which definitely puts a damper in policy work. Absolutely. And so I think 
going back to the beginning of this occupant's term as president of the United States. I love the occupant. <laughs> I can remember 2017, I was on Capitol Hill working for my congresswoman, and I was doing research on uh, the occupant's misguided decision to withdraw from the Paris Climate Ag Agreement. How mm -hmm. important um, or how fundamental is it for America to stay um, within that agreement? And what are the repercussions that we're seeing now from his decision? Well, that's an interesting question. I would definitely say that it, it wasn't a decision that I would make. Of course, I'm not the president, <laughs> but um, I think that people around the world were just a bit confused. Um, and definitely, it was definitely a misguided decision. Um, in terms of, you know, what can be done to fix that decision, I think, again, it will take years of renegotiating um, and it will take definitely whoever the next president is. I'm praying that it's a different one than the one we have now. It will take years of really, I think, apologizing and coming back and saying, as a country, we made a mistake by doing this and owning up to that mistake um, and saying, we want to move forward to this. In our current situation or our current, I'll use your word, occupant of um, the office, that's not something that we say too often. And as a country, it, it hasn't been something that we've said too often that we've made a mistake. As history has told us, we're not really good at owning up. So I think uh, this is a moment where we have to, you know, be honest about what has happened um, really over these past four years. And if we could just like get a do-over, this is one of those moments where it's like, hey man, I messed up, I need a do-over in a way. If that makes sense. Absolutely. That makes total sense. And, it, and you brought up a great point. So because of 46 minus one, and yes, he's going to get a lot of names throughout this podcast. <laughs> 46 minus one has done a lot of crazy things during his time, right? So right. what position does that put the next president in when dealing with foreign relations and trying to right. rebuild the brand of America and just trying to salvage the reputation um, of America. What position does that put the next president in? Okay, so have you ever watched Real Housewives of Atlanta? Yes, I have. Okay, so imagine the United States being NeNe Leaks. Um, break it down for us, Joby. Let me break it down, break it down. So imagine the United States being NeNe Leaks and all of the other countries are all of the other housewives. So you have Sheree, you can have your Portia, Kenya, whoever, you know, you, you want it to be. Um, so NeNe has definitely said a lot of, you know, touchy things throughout the, the years, um, throughout the seasons. And she's known for having, for being very bold and very open. But then when you ever, whenever you see the reunion, Nimi always hands out an apology. It's like a sorry apology, but it's still an apology nevertheless. Um, and so this is one of those moments where we need to take a Nini stance and we have said some crazy things, um, but this is one of those moments where we need to be like, okay, to you, I'm sorry. You know what I'm saying? Like, I apologize that you felt that way. These are one of those moments where you really, instead of throwing the glass, we need to sit down the glass and be like, okay, I'm sorry. I want to bring it back. I want to bring it back. Um, and the next president, whoever that may be, is going to have to do a lot of backtracking, a lot of saying, and a lot of publicly saying, our last president was wrong. 
Um, and that has not happened a lot. That happens during campaigning, of course, you know, especially when someone is running for office again. But when a person really gets in office, there isn't a lot of like, oh, he was wrong when he did that. So there's going to have to be that. And there's going to have to be a lot of public apologies. If they have to, we could have a real country reunion. Um, there could be an Andy Cohen host, you know, where people are, you know, really dishing out what happened throughout this season. And we're going to consider these last four years a season of Real Housewives of Atlanta. There needs to be a reunion. And the next president needs to pull a nini and needs to say sorry to everybody who, you know, we have done wrong as a country, um, as a whole. There's so many issues and so many problems um, that have people just thoroughly, like, confused and just like, okay, what do I do next? Uh, how yeah. do I exist in a space? How do I travel? You know, right. um, as a person who loves to travel, when you have a president who just says whatever, like, that be kind of comes the, the whole voice of America. So as an American, people are thinking I have the same ideas um, and I know I've gone a lot of places. I've been, when I went to Morocco, the first question that they asked me, like, what do you think about Trump? And it's one of those questions, like, well, I'm just here to kind of like visit. I just, I ain't even trying to talk about that right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> out of sight, out of mind. Right. Wow. Wow. And so, speaking of confusion, I think a lot of people were also confused about the role Russia played in China, Kim Jong-un, mm -hmm. their whole beef. Can you talk about that as well? Clear it up for right. us. Clear it up for us. What okay, about, so. What's going on right there? What's going on? I'm telling you, if this is a real housewife season, like the real countries of the world season, this season was the best that we have seen thus far in, in history. Um, <laughs> In terms of scandals, in terms of people being like, ooh, you did that, you did what? Like, this is bigger than a lot. Like, it's big, bigger than Watergate. It's bigger than, you know, the Lewinsky scandal. It's, it's bigger than anything that we have ever seen as a nation, really. Um, and I think the funniest thing to me is, like, when, when people are like, yeah, this did happen. You have government agencies acknowledging that this happened it's all over the news and then we have the leader of the free nation like no it didn't happen everybody's lying i don't know what you're talking about um so it's one of those moments where you're just kind of in this if this is a black mirror episode like please let it end um it's it's scary to see someone who has been voted into office and elected um just be able to spew out so many lies. Um, and there are so many people who are fact checking and saying, hey, no, like this really did happen. Um, Russia really did have involvement with our election process. Like that's a problem. A huge problem. And nobody is really talking about it. I think it's something that we, we all acknowledge that it happened, but we just kind of brush over it. There's so many things that have happened over these four years that we've just kind of brushed over. And, you know, as a, as a, a kid, I think I always thought, well, America is fair. There are so many other countries where things are unfair. This is supposed to be the fairest place in all of the world. Right. And then you, the reality of it is it's not. Everything about the system is, is really, it's rigged. And that's a harsh reality to come to terms with. It really is, because then you think to yourself, how can I exist in a space? So foreign policy um, and international studies is an extremely white space. Um, 
And so even though you would think, oh, there's so many different cultures, there's so many, you know, but there aren't a lot of black people or brown people who are talking about foreign affairs or diplomacy work and all of those things. So when you think about what's going on and the privilege um, that I guess, what would you call him? 46 minus one. 46 minus one. 46 minus one must have to be in an office and occupy an office without facing real repercussions. You have to think, okay, what would happen if I was in that space? Would I get the same leeway? Will I be able to do the same things? What will people say to me? How will people respond to me? If I was the president and I knew that Russia had involvement in um, an election process, are people going to be like, okay, as a black woman, will people just say okay to me? Absolutely. So I think those are questions that come up a lot um, for me, especially like thinking about my career goal and what I want to do. Um, I've had a lot of doubts in my own self. And, you know, like we did an internship together. If no one knows, Black Caucus, shout out to the Georgia Legislative Black Caucus. Yes. This intern class, this 2020 class. Yeah, so shout out to all of you all, but I'm, I remember feeling like there was a moment, um, and, and we're talking about, we're being super transparent, um, there was a moment where we were talking about a certain project that we wanted to do as an intern class, and so I brought up an issue with refugees, um, you know, in the state of Georgia, um, and issues that refugees were facing as they were transitioning um, from their home country to their new country. And I felt really dismissed because it wasn't a problem that, you know, most Black people really talk about. I think we talk a lot about. And while these issues that we do talk about, voting rights and all those are extremely important, um, I just kind of felt like it was like, oh, okay, nah. You know what I'm saying? So it was a really hard. I think that's a great point, Joby, but I think foreign policy scares a lot of people. Right. Because it's unknown. And so, of course, people are going to shun away from those things that they aren't comfortable with and so you see a lot of that taking place because <laughs> nobody really knows what foreign policy is nobody really right. knows what what happens in that arena and so i'm so glad we are able to come and talk about this and really give people a break right, right. and so I, I was saying that all to say that it's one of those moments for me that i i feel okay, I, when I'm around people who look like me, these are supposed to be the people who support me the most. And so I want to I wanna teach you all about it. And then, you know, when you go around people who don't necessarily look like me, you know, it's like, they're not necessarily listening either. And so whether it be fear, whatever it is, I think it's an important conversation to have. And I always say this, you know, this is, this is my thing, um, that justice beyond commonality is just as important as justice for ourselves um, and so that's why foreign policy is so important to me because it's so valuable um, and so life-changing to really go into a space and learn about a different culture and learn how things in different countries work and see how that impacts our own culture um, it impacts our own world or even if it doesn't um, just to really just be human and bring back the humanity in it. I think that international studies is, uh, learning international studies is one of the most human things I think you can do um, just simply because you're learning about other people. I totally agree. And, you know, the world is so interconnected now. Yeah. No excuse, really, not to be abreast, aware of what is going on around the world. Um, right. 
going back to COVID-19, it started in China. And right. it spread very fast, very fast. And if that doesn't show you just how interconnected we are, <laughs> I don't know what, what will, honestly. Well, yeah, right. Yeah, so I, I definitely agree um, with that. And I, I thank you for, you know, being uh, a light in this space and, and showing the world that Black people, Black women uh, can be uh, in that space and thrive because you're dedicated to your work. I have watched Joby like actually studying different languages. Like she's committed to this work. She's committed to um, learning about different cultures and really um, educating herself. And that's so important. And that's what we preach on Popping Policies. It's about educating yourself so that you can elevate, right? And so um, right. you have been an exemplary uh, person uh, to uh, model after. So I really- uh, Thank you so much. I think that um, for anyone who wants to learn about international studies or who's interested in doing diplomacy work, um, who wants to be a foreign service officer, all of those things, of course we need more of those things. Um, but for anyone who is interested, if you're currently a college student, I would definitely recommend if your college has an international studies department taking at least one course, um, maybe trying to learn a different language. But I also agree uh, or just suggest, you know, you going out into your own community and learning about your neighbors. Um, what does it mean to really be a good neighbor? So for example, uh, I have a really close friend of mine and he's Haitian. So I've been spending a lot of time you know, learning about Haitian culture, Haitian foods and all of those things, just simply so I can understand where he's coming from. Um, and I can understand who he is as a person and what part of that adds to him as a person. Um, and you don't have to look far. I'm sure that anyone listening to this podcast has a friend who is of a different culture, of a different ethnicity or all of those things. So it's one of those moments where you just, you know, you sit and you really get to learn and you, you talk to a different person. And that is the most simplest form of um, doing international studies and diplomacy work right from home. I definitely agree. That's a great point. I mean, <laughs> the world is literally around us um, once again, and we don't have to go far uh, to find it. I do want to ask you this one question. How do you feel about Britain leaving the EU? And do you believe that the U.S., specifically 46 minus 1, had an instrumental role in that decision? Okay. So I think that this year has definitely been uh, a year of just really surprises. Um, did I think that Britain was going to leave the European Union? Uh, this year, no. That was definitely not on my list of like possibilities. But there's a lot of things that I think has happened this year that have been like, oh, that would never happen. They keep us on our toes, for sure. They literally, like, every day there's something new. I've literally had to turn off my news app because it became too much. So, as a little bit of background, the EU, or the European Union, is an economic and political union that has 28 European countries. So, it allows for free trade, which basically means that goods can move between member countries without any checks or extra charges. So, nothing added on to whatever there is. Um, it also allows for the free movement of people um, to really live and work in whichever country that they choose that's a part of the European Union. So that's 28 countries. And the UK joined in 1973. 
Um, and it's actually the first member state to withdraw. So it's, it's definitely something that's unprecedented and which is just kind of like, huh, wait, like, let's back up. Um, but back in 2016, in June of 2016, 17.4 million people actually opted to leave the European Union, um, which was about 52% wanted to leave um, compared to 48% who wanted to remain in the European Union. Mm. So I think that whenever a country makes a decision, as long as it's people, if it's making the decision that it's people want to make, um, I think sometimes I have a mentality, it's, it's not always, but I have a mentality like if that's what a country wants to do, then it's their decision to make. And it's not our job as, you know, Americans or um, as, a, as a government to really take over uh, a country's sovereignty to make their own decisions. Absolutely. So I think that if, if that was something, you know, that Britain wanted to do, and if it's people agree to that, then it's a decision that I fully support um, because it's their sovereignty. So they should have the right to make any decision that they want to. Do I think Trump play, played a role? I think Trump plays a role in anything that happens internationally. <laughs> um, so my short answer is absolutely, I think Trump played a role in this. Um, but what I will hope is that the government uh, the British government is really, you know, listening to its people because that's what's most important at the end of the day, not whether Trump likes you or not. So if any country is listening to this podcast right now, and you can hear the sound of my voice, I just hope and pray that you listen to your people and not Trump, please, for the sake of humanity. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I thank you for that breakdown um, because a lot of people don't know about the function of the European Union and all mm -hmm. of their uh, countries. So thank you for that. And I agree. I definitely think that 46 minus one had um, something to do with that. But, right. you know, moving right along. I learned a lot of my friends, my closest friends, I, I do attend Spelman College. I'm a junior international studies major, Spanish and religious studies double minor on the pre-law track. Um, and so I have several friends and my friends, they all seem to be biology majors or, you know, STEM majors. And that's, it's, it's um, trying to explain to them what I'm doing. I see that it really helps if I relate it to real world issues, which is something that I really like to do. Um, I, you got the Real Housewives of, uh, real Housewives of Atlanta analogy. But that's something that I do often because I realize as a people, we don't talk about foreign issues a lot. And so I try to find things that we do talk about. Uh, so sometimes it's reality TV. Sometimes it's things that happen in our own homes, whether it be games or anything like that, or characters from certain shows. Um, I try to find ways that people get it um, and then break it down and see how, in your mind, I, if I want you to get what I'm saying, how can I translate it to you um, so you can understand exactly what I'm saying so we'll, there will be no question. Um, and so I think that's a better way, you know, than just to say, uh, hey, this happened, these are the dates, you know, uh, this was the result of it, this is the agreement that came out, because that's a lot of foreign policy. But right. when, you, when you say, hey, it was similar to this moment when we just watched it on TV last week, people are saying, oh, okay, I get that now. I get what you're saying. 
Absolutely. And, you know, um, people have uh, this idea that, you know, politics is something that is over their head. And that's one of the reasons why I started this podcast is to let people know that we can break down politics. It can be palatable um, so that you can understand and it won't be hard to understand or you won't be confused. Um, And so that's essentially what this podcast um, is here for. These things affect us personally and it's so important for us to be informed, engaged, and aware. Even if we don't like politics, you know, it's still important for us to at least have some awareness of what is going on in this world. We're wrapping up. That was a good, that was a good discussion. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. You, you learned me as my (laughs) You learned me. me. Well, (laughs) I want to say I can't sing, but happy, happy birthday. Thank Um, you so much. Thank you you so much for having me. Share your socials for the people so they can follow you. Yes. My social media on everything is at Joby Crawford, J-O-B-I-E. C-R-A-W-F-O-R-D. Again, at Joby Crawford. Feel free to follow me if you want to talk and just continue this discussion more. Um, Feel free to DM me. Um, It's something that I'm definitely always down to talk about. If you want to talk about foreign policy movies, if you want me to put you on to that, you know, go watch a little bit of Zero Dark Thirty. Um, You know, I'm always down to have discussions like that. So if you want to do it or if you're interested about it, please let me know. Thank you, Jay Jasmine, for kicking it with me in the Situation Room. I enjoyed this conversation, and I hope that this episode encourages people to do their own homework as it relates to ways that they can help and ways that they can expand their knowledge as it relates to foreign affairs and international relations. Thank you all so much for the birthday wishes. I am excited about year 22. I pray that it is filled with favor, joy, love, laughter, all the good things that anyone would want out of life, right? I I am excited. I am expecting great things. And I just pray that God can continue to use me. I pray that I can continue to share my gifts and just continue to walk in my purpose. If you enjoyed this podcast, please follow the podcast on Instagram at Poppin' Policies Podcast, or you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at I am R Jordan for more updates on podcast episodes and their air dates. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. See you next time on Poppin' Policies with R Jordan Davis.